Welcome one, welcome y'all to the Collective Voice Podcast. I'm the host, Jay Lanskroner. In the winter of 2010, I had heard of a facility in Southend, in Charlotte, at this old warehouse that had been converted into a soccer field. It seemed like a weird story, but when we found out that on a certain day of the week you could go and play pickup, myself and a few others decided to go check it out. In the location that is now Unknown Brewing, there were some of the nicest turf stretched from corner to corner across the whole field. In a separate building behind, there was another mini pitch they called a futsal court. We played a bit on both. And before leaving, I would come to talk to a man who was running the facility. And he explained about Soccer 945, as this group was once called. And their story, the story of the homeless USA Cup, and how the organization was using soccer as a means to create access for the homeless, as well as refugees and immigrants. An idea of using the sport to help facilitate a better life within our city. On this episode of the podcast, 11 years after first meeting with him, I have the pleasure to discuss his story, the Soccer 658 story, and what having Charlotte FC in this city has meant to him, as well as more detail into soccer mini pitches the team is putting up and around Charlotte and the region, and what we can do to help elevate them, Soccer 658, and being better in our community. Without further ado, one of the most selfless people in Charlotte, Soccer 658 Director of Street Soccer, Peter Fink. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So in the introduction, I kind of gave a story of, of how I came to know of you, um, the Project 658, and and the the so- Street Soccer USA. Um, can you give me a little bit of background of who you are, where you come from, and, and what soccer was to you before linking up with Urban Ministries? Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm originally from Connecticut and came down uh, – to Charlotte to go to UNC Charlotte and I actually ran track for them oddly enough but I was always a uh, I was a huge soccer fan loved playing the game and have been playing ever since I was six and I after college I started working in uh, mortgage and loans and just felt like I wanted something a lot more in life so I started looking at places where I can volunteer and see some options and then I came across this street soccer program at the urban ministry center. And so that was started by Lawrence can who since left the Charlotte program to start street soccer USA. And I started volunteering for them and really enjoyed it. It had three things. I really enjoyed doing events, soccer and giving back to the community and um, fell in love with it instantly and just became a, a pretty active member in that community. And then Rob Lawrence's brother left the Charlotte chapter to go start chapters out in the West Coast in San Francisco and Oakland and Sacramento. And so I eventually took over his role um, in the Charlotte area and started working at the Urban Ministry Center. And we were running soccer programs for the homeless community. And what we did was we just used soccer as a tool to engage our homeless neighbors and build relationships with them. 
And once we've established those relationships, we were able to kind of sit down with them and set goals and kind of plug them into resources here in Charlotte. And it was amazing. And I started coming across, I started working with a lot of immigrants and refugees. And so I was there for about six years. And a lot of the population I was working with was immigrants and refugees. And I always thought to myself, man, if I could have gotten to them before they became homeless, I think I could prevent them from, I could have prevented them from ever becoming homeless. So around that time, we started partnering with Project 658 and they had, they were working in the neighborhood and had this flat top area and we had a street court. So we brought our street court over to their area and we started partnering on a lot of things. And then eventually I reached out to Dustin Swinehart, who was the CEO of Project 658 and talked to him about coming on board with 658 and starting street soccer there so we can get involved in the immigrant and refugee population at a much younger age. And with the life skills our program's geared toward teaching, I really think can make an impact in their lives and prevent them from ever becoming homeless because it really only takes one significant thing to happen in your life to, to kind of get in, to find yourself homeless. If it's a, your car breaks down and you lose your job or um, something happens medically and it, all it takes is um, just one little bad thing to happen in your life and not having the support to kind of handle it and you can lose your job or lose your lose your finances or become kind of kicked out of your apartment and become homeless and uh, so one of the great things about our program is that's kind of what we do is we go in and build community and so it's always it's always a dream to kind of get into the younger population to ever prevent them from ever needing uh, a facility like the urban ministry center which is now called roof above and they're doing amazing still doing amazing work in charlotte but um it's been a pretty cool transition to see and what we did was we we just brought the street soccer court to a new apartment and just started running free leagues for high school kids um that was the first thing we we really did because we felt like we can get into the community and offer free leagues and they would come to the street court every night and we'd be able to run these leagues, meet who they were. And we were able to do an intake process to kind of get a lot more information about them. And so we were able to find out who was in school, who needed help tutoring, who was eligible for citizenship, who was working um, and what shift were they working? Were they happy with their job? Did they need areas to focus on elsewhere um, to get a different job? And through that first league we ran, we we met about 90 um, refugees and immigrants and at-risk students who were probably from the age of 16 to 19. And we really felt like that was a, a vulnerable population because one, like when you graduate high school, what do you want to do next with your life? That's a pretty big um, decision, especially for a refugee population, because there's not much pressure for them to go to college. Because if they stay home, they can get a paycheck and help provide rent, or they can help take care of their younger siblings. So we started to see a trend that a lot of the people we were working with were either quitting high school um, because they were frustrated because um, they didn't know English too well, so they weren't doing great. They weren't doing great in school. It has has nothing to do with an intelligence thing. It was just they moved here, didn't know the language too well, and it was hard to get good grades when you don't know a language. Um, right. And so they would get frustrated and, and leave school and typically they would work in the Black and Decker plant or the Tyson chicken uh, factory or they would stick through it, graduate high school and still go work at the Black and Decker plant and Tyson chicken factory. 
So this is this is kind of like their life. It was nothing wrong with that. It's just all they knew because that's what their parents did. And they felt like those were their only options. And so our job was to go into these communities, start these soccer leagues, get to know them, build these relationships, ask them questions and kind of utilize the intake um, process we were doing to kind of see where we can plug them in best. We were able to plug players into trade schools. We were able to plug them into colleges. We were able to provide tutoring for the high school students. We were able to move some people from a third shift job to a second shift job so they weren't working through the night. Um, and we were able to kind of get people plugged into citizenship. Fast forward a couple years later, we have over 20 of our players going to a college or going to or part of our CPCC program here um, where we have a mentorship program for all our CPCC students. And we've we've created over 15 to 20 citizens. They've become U.S. citizens since then. And we've plugged them into trade schools and we've plugged them into jobs. We have a couple of players working at Atrium Health. And um, these are opportunities they might not have realized existed, but we were able to kind of go in and get them into different trade schools or get them into different programs and kind of open up their their mindset a little bit more and and let them see that they have more options and really trying to improve their social capital in life. That's awesome, man. And that was one of the things, um, you know, way back, I guess, way back in the day now, in the introduction, I talk about um, my first time coming into contact with, with Soccer 945 back then um, was at what is now Unknown Brewing. Yeah. Um, in that old soccer warehouse, right? Like you guys had the, the pitch, um, where I think you had told me that pitch inside the stadium was the only FIFA, um, mandated turf in the U S outside of, I think new England revolutions, uh, stadium at that time. Um, and then of course you had the futsal court in that back facility as well. Um, and that was my first experience with football and, and understanding the game itself. And not going to lie, I was, I was about 50 pounds heavier uh, and the game just kicked my butt. I mean, the, 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 the quality of play um, that was there from, from all of these people. And it was not just, you know, the people within the program, it was also people like myself who were paying. I think you guys were asking for five, five or $15 or something like that to come in and play on Tuesday nights or something. Um, and it was just great. The camaraderie of everybody that was there. It was just, it was a wonderful experience. Um, now I, I, I kind of want to touch on something. You said that you guys have transitioned from nine, four, five to six, five, eight. What, um, what was the biggest um, transitional part of that? Was it just getting, not just for homeless, but into the refugee culture or what, what was the biggest motivation there? It was just to kind of reach out to a younger generation of kids and and provide opportunities for them. So they never got put in a situation where they would become homeless. Uh, A lot of the older guys that were working with, um, once they graduated high school, they just didn't know what to do with their lives and would find factory jobs. And then something would happen um, where they got hurt or they, their car broke down and they couldn't get to work. So they got fired. So it was, it was a lot of situational homeless I was working with. And it was, and it was just the fact that they didn't feel like they had any opportunities or had, or didn't know what to do or how to navigate, um, certain obstacles. So the motivating factor was getting to them at the high school age. So we can kind of 
um, teach life skills. And that's the great thing about street soccer is it's our curriculum is tailor made of of making the identification of everything you're doing on the soccer field is a transferable skill that you can do in life. Um, and it could be something as simple as you don't agree with the ref. How do you handle that situation? Um, or if you lose a game, like how are you going to bounce back or, or anything like that? So it could be something simple as, as that. Or we go into we dive a lot deeper into other other life skills. But we have a pretty elaborate curriculum that kind of follows the growth mindset and um, social emotional learning that we've tailor made to a curriculum that teaches soccer drill, teaches um, things we're doing on the soccer field, but also teaches life skills as well. And so we're able to provide them with new opportunities and new outlooks and kind of new concepts and kind of helping them walk through this path of adolescence that's already challenging if you have all the opportunities in the world. But imagine if you don't know any opportunities and you don't know how to navigate this this life. So we're able to kind of walk alongside them, help um, kind of direct them in a, in a positive direction. And it's been really cool to kind of see results. Absolutely. And I kind of want to touch on the soccer side a little bit, um, you know, not take away from from the life skills side, but um, on on the Soccer 658 website, it says um, it explains that Street Soccer 658 was founded in 2004 mm-hmm. um, at the Urban Ministry Center in Charlotte. And it's the nation's first year round life skills based soccer program for individuals. Um, and then. I actually I went through and, and I don't know how I came across this, but I found an article that I wrote. I personally wrote for Free Beer Movement um, back in I think 2011, um, and it actually highlighted Street Soccer USA um, and Soccer 945. And uh, I read I read a sentence from the article. Um, the biggest thing that this organization has done was to form what is known as the Homeless USA Cup um, to help the homeless of all areas of the globe to be better to better their lives through the world of soccer. Um, how did the Homeless USA Cup come to be and where has it gone since those early days? And what does it mean to you? It's It's been pretty wild because mm-hmm. it started here in Charlotte um, and then people from other cities heard about our program here in Charlotte and wanted to start something in their city. And so when we started to get like four or five cities involved, um, we started to plan these tournaments to bring all the cities together. Since then it's evolved to um, 16 cities right now. It's probably going to branch off to about 22 to 25 cities where uh, Street Soccer USA is expanding. And um, it's a pretty cool tournament. It's also evolved. Um, it's it's grown from people who are homeless, people who are in recovery, people who are refugees, people who are at risk. Each program is a little different in the in the United States. But the the number one goal is that we're targeting targeting an at risk population and that and providing a need and helping them kind of. Um, set goals and, and provide resources and, and kind of build their social capital. And it's going on all throughout the cities. So the U.S. Cup is a pretty unbelievable uh, experience. The first time I ever went, I was I was moved. And it was incredible to see the passion and the pride and that these players possess and watch them play. And now it's held every year. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to hold it um, the past year and a half because of uh, COVID. But we're hopefully going to be hosting the next U.S. Cup here in Charlotte. Uh, nice. It's going to be really cool. But the last U.S. Cup was held in Sacramento. And the cool thing about that was uh, Charlotte won both the men and women's division. Um, and we That's were awesome. Champions. That was really cool. 
Yeah, and and I think there's a there's a World Cup too, right? There's, yeah, yeah. So, so how, did that evolve from the USA Cup, or how did that come to it be? Was, it was kind of simultaneously happening, um, which is really wild. So in the early stages um, of back in the Urban Ministry Center days, the um, someone heard about this documentary about the Homeless World Cup. I think they filmed the documentary on the very first year of the Homeless World Cup, and then we. Charlotte was the only program in the U.S., so we were the U.S. team. Um, and so we applied with the Homeless World Cup and started taking a team from Charlotte to represent the U.S. And since then, it's, it's expanded to the 16 cities. So what we do now is we have a nomination process, and we really pick players to represent the U.S. who are doing uh, achieving their goals off the field. It doesn't You don't have to be the best soccer player. In, um, in the street soccer realm. We just really want to people who are going to represent the USA the best, have the best character and are achieving their goals and doing everything we're asking them to do off the field. So the US team travels to the, the, the World Cup every year, and we've always had a player from the Charlotte program uh, since day one, which is really cool. And we don't necessarily do that well, strictly because we're not picking players on a performance basis. Um, but we hold our own. We're in the middle of the pack. But it's amazing uh, to see all these countries come together. There's usually around 40 to 50 countries that all participate in this together. And to wow. see that many players from so many different cultures and so many different languages create friendships in a matter of like seven to ten days. It's it's amazing to see. And our players are, are transformed during this this process. And it's really cool to, to see them um, kind of mature throughout that week and come home and kind of want to do want to do more um luckily i've had the privilege of going to about uh 10 of these world cups which has been really cool to see i usually nice. help out um coaching the men's team nice excellent so and and from a coaching standpoint can you can you kind of touch into the logistics of how the soccer games themselves work like how many players are on the field what the structure of the field and the you know, yeah. all that stuff is. So street soccer is a, an incredibly unique game, and I love watching it played right. Um, so it's it's kind of like a hockey rink. You have a, a, a court with walls that's 52 feet wide, 72 feet long, and you have a, uh, each team has a goalie, and then you have three field players. The cool thing about street soccer is you're allowed to have three players go on offense, but you're only allowed to have two of those players come back on defense. Um, so there's a lot of different strategies involved in this. Um, and it's really cool to see like the big time countries like Mexico and Brazil and England kind of utilize these strategies at the world cup. And, uh, and we, we have a couple strategies here in Charlotte that have proven to work, um, which is really cool, but there's, there's so much behind this game and getting three people over the line and kind of building that triangle and utilizing that man advantage and trying to get that shot off. And once the goal scored, the goalie just picks it up out of the goal and rolls it back into play. There's no stoppage of time. You don't have time to celebrate. You don't have time to um, congratulate each other because next thing you know, you're turning around and you just got scored against. Um, so it's 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 really cool to um, to see and play and watch. And it's that's why I love hosting these these tournaments we host every year, where we invite the community members to come out and play street soccer with us. And it's really fun to to see even the community members who come in and. They register to play and they, they struggle at first because there's so many different rules. You can't go into the crease. You can't have three men back. And uh, 
And so it's funny to see the growth for them too. Just like by the third game, they got it all figured out. They're passing the ball around and it's, it's really cool to see. It's, it's completely different than 11 v 11 soccer. Um, that's one thing street soccer will stay away from as, as much as possible. Um, we avoid the pay to play model. Everything we do is free for our players. Um, and we try and keep it small sided games as much as possible. We want our guys to get as many touches as on the ball and be involved in as much as they can. So we're always playing small sided soccer and street soccer. And we're kind of a, we consider ourselves as kind of the, the base level of a grassroots organization where we accept anyone and anyone can play and it's free. And we do have a lot of talented, um, refugees and immigrants and, uh, at-risk players that we're able to plug into clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, if we see talent, we'll get you connected somewhere. Um, we got uh, a couple players playing with the Charlotte Eagles right now, and they're actually going to nationals next month, which is really cool. Nice. Uh, and so we, we plug them into different clubs, but we'll never be a club. We'll never charge uh, anybody to play, and that's not our realm. We just want to bring you in have fun playing the game and, and kind of teach life. And if you, if you show some skill, we're going to get you connected somewhere else, but you always have this six, five, eight family to kind of fall back on and always, and always kind of be around. Um, we'll always support you. We've actually had, um, uh, a couple players, um, going to play in college next year. And we've had, we probably have about seven guys who can easily play college soccer and they just never played in front of the right person or played in, um, and just never had the opportunity to be seen. But they're so, so good at soccer. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing to watch them play. I can certainly vouch for that. The um, the last event that okay. Min City held before uh, COVID shut everything down was actually a co-drive at your facility, and we played a handful of games. And I don't think I think a couple. You guys had two or three teams in that in that little uh, I'll say quote unquote tournament. Yeah. Um, but and I think at least one or two of them barely left the the, the pitch. So it was it, it's it's a from a player standpoint, it's a very you kind of have to be somewhat fit to play because um, it's a very fast paced game. Yeah, it's very quick. Uh, the transition of the game, like you said, the goalie just picks it up and rolls the ball back in. So you've got to be basically ready to go. So it's like the the speed and agility of, of hockey and basketball with the skill and technique of, of beach soccer, right? But you're on a fast rolling field, basically, that's just hard, hard concrete. You know, it's like, it's not hard concrete, but it's um, – now, now, you kind of touched on some events, and we'll get onto the – the big news here in just a minute. Um, but you talked about some summer tournaments um, and stuff like that. What kind of events um, I'm going to date this episode this weekend, you're hosting the 24 hours of, of street soccer. Yeah. Um, but can you explain to me like what kind of events do you guys do throughout the year? Um, and, and how can, how can folks like Mint city collective members or other Charlotte soccer fans um, get involved with these events. That's that's our primary goal with these events is getting the whole entire community involved. Um, we just held the Nations Cup tournament, which was really cool. We had about um, 11 nations representing from Congo to Somalia to USA to Australia, um, Thailand, Burma, and um, a bunch of other countries. And it was really cool 
um, to see that tournament play out and see like the team from Mali and the team from Congo had so many players and they brought so much energy. And uh, we really like wanted this event to be a fun like festival feel and not be too much competitive. Um, and it was really cool. That's something we're definitely going to do again. But the main purpose of these events is to bring community members in to our realm and kind of have a better understanding of what we're doing. And also, it's a way for our players to network and socialize and um, kind of and kind of be heard and be seen, um, which is which is really cool. And so we have 24 hours of soccer coming up this weekend. Um, that's going to be a big event. What we're doing is we're going to be playing soccer games for 24 straight hours. Um, we're going to be bringing in community members and street soccer members, and you're going to be assigned a team. You're going to play for Team Hope or Team Restored, and then every time you score a goal or your team scores a goal, um, it'll add a goal to the Team Hope. So it's going to be a cumulative scoreboard for 24 straight hours. Um, it's This is a hard event to explain because you're not playing soccer for 24 straight hours, but the games are going on for 24 straight hours. So you can play, come in and play three or four games and you'll play against other different teams. But every time you score a goal, you're scoring for either team hope or team restored. And then we'll just have an accumulative score at the end of the, after the end of the 24 hours and every player, every team gets a Jersey. And um, so it's pretty cool. Cause you'll see other, other players who are playing for either team hope or team restored and you can cheer them on and uh, encourage them. And then once your turn to go score some goals, you go in there and score some goals. Absolutely. And we just announced uh, in our Min City Slack that uh, Ally and Min City Collective will have a block of games um, from one to three, I think, on Saturday. So Ally has pledged $10 per goal, correct? Yeah. Um, and so Min City has decided that we're actually going to match during our block uh, to Ally's contribution. So $10 per goal during our block. Um yeah, so I'm pretty stoked about this this event, and and it's kind of like the the cycling events for 24 hours, except you don't have to run, you don't have to be participating for the entire 24 yeah. hours, yeah. right? So we have, um, we have it broken out into eight different age groups. So in the morning, it's from six to eight slot. It's going to be like an open play, and then the U8s come in, and then the U11s come in, and we have a middle school and a high school and a over 35 and an open division, and then we have the ally block. Um, teaming up with Min City Collective, which is going to be really cool. Uh, I talked to some of the employees at Ally. They're really excited to have to, to have this opportunity and to partner with Min City Collective, which is which has been really uh, really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, some other events that you guys do, um, you know, obviously you part with partner with groups within the community um, every summer. You know, usually it feels like the hottest w- weekend of the year. Um, <laughs> You guys will set up a, a pitch in – of late, it's been in Romiri Bearden Park, correct? We've done um, it, yeah, we've done it a couple times at Romiri Bearden, and then we've been doing that Project 658. We've been doing an indoor pitch and an outdoor pitch. Right, and and I remember the first time I ever played was actually in the parking lot at Ramblewood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right. as As part of the – what is it, the World Cup or whatever that they do in Charlotte with the over 40 teams. Yeah. Um, and you guys, you guys kind of set up out there as well. Um, so what, what's, what's that kind of structure and what, what is that whole tournament? That's, um, it's typically our street soccer fest, we call it. Um, we're hopefully for the next two years, it's going to be the U S cup. So every year, every two years, the U S cup changes locations. It was in Sac, it's been in Sacramento. It's been in Philadelphia. It's been in New York city at Times Square. It's been in DC. So we're trying, we're working real hard to get it into Charlotte and go back to Romeo Bearden park. Um, 
hopefully we can coordinate with um, Charlotte FC. We've been in communication with them um, and kind of coordinated with one of their home games and and work that into the schedule. But typically we have all these different divisions. We have a street soccer division where we invite cities from all over the East Coast to come come in. We provide their transportation. We provide their housing and give them food for the weekend and give them uniforms. So these are teams similar to ours along the East Coast of uh, the U.S. that we invite. Uh, teams are typically coming from New York, St. Louis, Philadelphia, uh, D.C. area. And then we have a corporate cup where we get corporate sponsors come in and they provide teams. And then we have an open cup and then we do a youth division. And it's just a way to get the com- all these different people from the community together. Uh, we really consider that weekend a celebration of the human spirit. And it's just a way to rally around soccer, rally around the things we're doing here in Charlotte and and rally like um, this love that so many people in Charlotte have around soccer. And it's a good way to just bring people together and, and celebrate that. So the, the next one we have, we're hoping that it's going to be the U.S. Cup, which means we'll be inviting all the different cities from all over the U.S. There will be an opening ceremonies with a parade down the down the streets of Charlotte. Um, and then we'll have a, all these different tournaments. Again, it'll be a youth tournament. It'll be a corporate tournament. It'll be an open tournament. So it's we just want people to play. And it doesn't matter what skill level you are. Um, just come in and play. Come join this event. Come in and be, be part of this community and learn more about what we're doing um, with Street Soccer 658 and kind of how we're transforming lives. Yeah, I can attest to that because I'm awful at soccer and, and you guys let me play. So I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Um, so you brought up Charlotte FC. I think it's time we, we start uh, talking about the elephant in the room, if you will. But one of the biggest projects um, that has come forth from Charlotte FC um, was first explained by Jorge Herrera, um, you know, before he announced it long before he came onto my podcast, but my second ever episode, I interviewed Jorge. Um, and it was an amazing talk. And he had talked about the 21 pitches, um, for 21. Cause at that point in time, we were going to be playing this season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It's amazing to think how much things have changed. I know. Um, but the team had committed to building these mini pitches throughout Charlotte and the greater Carolinas region. Um, now the team has announced their partnership with you um, and, and how, you know, they want to kind of bring everything together. And Jorge explained the system of the, the pitches, but maybe you would, you would have a better detail for that. So what, what, what has the partnership with um, – well, first of all, how – you mentioned Dustin Swinehart. Um, is that how you guys came to be with Charlotte FC? And then how did um, – and how the intent of the mini pitches is supposed to be? Yeah, so uh, it, was, it was with our relationship with Dustin. Um, he knows who we are, what we do, and felt like this would be a great fit, especially for the first pitch. So we were really excited to um, have the – to have the first pitch um, out of these 21 pitches, and we're actually doing the opening ceremonies on Tuesday um, for it, which is going to be which is going to be really cool. And um, and so this will the pitch will allow us to kind of go into a community that we already have a heavy presence in, and only and really expand our reach to more people, and um, and be able to kind of offer more programming for all different ages and utilize these, these turf fields. Uh, will be amazing. Uh, we kind of snuck on there 
last night and played a little bit with a lot of our players, which was which was fun. But the opening I won't tell anybody. <laughs> but uh, it, you can already see the excitement and already see like more people coming. And once uh, so it'll, it just allows us to kind of reach out to more individuals and create this excitement. And and soccer, we always say soccer is the thing that brings them into the door. But it's the it's the programming and it's the intentionality that we offer once they come into the door that's really gonna like help um, change lives. Absolutely, and, and so you know, Nick Kelly had also explained that these pitches are gonna be used for the team purposes of building a community around the game, right? Which is kind of the the whole mission of of six five eight of bettering your community through the game of soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now these pitches, and, and you said you guys are, are directly in line with this first one, um, which is in the east side of Charlotte, correct? Yeah. Um, and so how how do you guys intend to utilize the pitches outside of the the 658 facility? Um, and, and, and what is your intent with those? Um, we're still kind of ironing out all those details, but six, Street Soccer 658 will have some type of um, collaboration or some type of uh, involvement in the majority of the pitches. Um, so the, for the first one that we're going to be offering, we'll be offering the main part of the programming on those pitches. And so de- depending on where the pitches go, we're working with Charlotte FC to see if we're going to kind of be a consultant or if we're going to be kind of um, it's going to be our staff that's going in there and running the programming, or we're going to work with another organization um, and kind of facilitate programming there as well. So we'll have our hand in uh, a lot of the process and a lot of um, the pitches that are to come to make sure like that uh, there's going to be programming on them and there's going to be, and we're going to be offering um, soccer at a, at an easy level that all people can join and make sure that, they're they're used and the intentions um, behind these pitches are used correctly. Um, right. Been some in the in the past. I've heard some stories about some MLS teams coming in, building pitches, and not having like any backup plan of how who's programming, um, who's going to be there, and what's going on. And they've they've kind of just dis- not necessarily disappeared, but kind of just went like became unusable because nobody was paying any attention to them. Um, and so the cool thing is Charlotte FC kind of understands that and they want to do it right. And they, they're not trying to come in and reinvent the wheel. They're reaching out to programs in the Charlotte community that already know what they're doing and saying, Hey, we want to give you this pitch so you can offer more programming. How can we, how can we help you increase your capacity and how can we help uh, make a bigger difference in the community, which is pretty cool. Um, you can since the beginning, their intentions have always been about, uh, making sure that these pitches are going to be used properly. They're going to be used um, for their intended purposes and have organizations run them. And eventually, hopefully we'll have like this inner web of all these different pitches where we're running leagues and we're doing tournaments and uh, not necessarily like club teams, but you'll kind of have a home pitch that you're part of where you can go to another pitch and compete against. Um, Again, it's going to be all short-sighted and um, it's the goal is to provide free soccer for anyone who wants it. Absolutely. And I, I do think that Jorge had mentioned something about potentially bringing in coaches to kind of help um, guide players and, and, and do that. And I think that that's something 
within the six five eight realm is is something that that is incredible that you know what you personally have done um, to help people. Um, and and I just hope people in the community want to step up and and be able to to have that kind of access and and uh, capabilities with these pitches, especially if they pop up within their their communities, you know. Yeah, and then Charlotte FC has been pretty strategic on where to place these um, in needed areas, which is which is cool to see. It sounds like they got a really good plan um, in the future, and and they're gonna make sure that they're one they're being utilized. Two, that there's an organization that's running it properly. And and three, there's going to be easy access for the community to get involved in it as well. Right. And I think having the this um, – what's the name of the, the apartment complex that this first pitch is being built in? Sailboat Bay Apartments. Sailboat Bay. Okay. Um, uh, Albemarle Road. Yeah. So – and I, I think – like you said, it's very strategic where they're putting it. And like this, this field is literally in the middle of an apartment complex, Mm -hmm. you know, in an area that probably doesn't have very much recreational activities. Um, And it's a great place essentially for, for a whole community to kind of gather around. And so I, you know, I, when I first heard of the, the idea of the mini pitches um, and going around Charlotte. And I think since Nick has come on to kind of outreach beyond Charlotte too, to get into other towns and and cities in both Carolinas. um, I think this idea of being able to, to bring the community together, which I think soccer is always intended um, and fa- like soccer fan culture intends to bring people together. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's kind of this, this sport that just wants to, to be a family gathering, if you will. Um, and, and I think with the way that Charlotte is, the way that you, I know you've run six, five, eight and, and what we as Min city kind of set forth to do is, is make our community a better place. And I, I see these pitches as a great opportunity to not only just bring people together, but to to bring people together from different facets of the city. Like you said, where you have home pitch advantage um, from one community to the next, but it'll be this this camaraderie of, hey, you know, we're on these pitches. So I look forward to that. I look forward to everything that, that you're doing um, with not just the pitches, but the 658 and all the initiatives you got going. Um, I'm hopeful to come out I, for the for the 24 hours of soccer this weekend, um, you know, and I, I'll I'll definitely chalk up that that those USA Cups. Um, hopefully that, like you said, hopefully there will be some home Charlotte FC home game that weekend, and you guys will be the highlight of it all. So, um, is there anything else you want to mention before I let you go? Um, yeah, one of the um, cool things about the the placement of this pitch is in it's in this community where it's probably 90 percent refugees and within that there's probably three other apartment complexes within walking distance and we'll we'll be able to utilize this pitch pretty well and bring community members in we'll we'll host events for min city collective um we'll host events for um anyone in the community to kind of bring them to this pocket of east charlotte to kind of let them know that there's a place like this exists that's um one of the things i i get I hear the most is like, wow, I didn't realize that there's this many refugees in Charlotte. We work with people from 21 to 22 different countries. Right. Um, 
and with with just Street Soccer 658. So it's it's really cool to kind of introduce this pocket of Charlotte to the rest of the Charlotte community. Um, right. Having this fancy new branded ally Charlotte FC pitch is going to be an easy way to do that. Yes, uh, which is really cool too. Yeah. So all right. So how can how can listeners get in touch with you or or help out or, or you know get involved with 658? They can um, go on our website. Uh, you can go to project658.com or you can go to streetsoccer658.org and fill out the, the volunteer tab. Or you can just email me at pfink at project658.com. And if it, we any way you want to get involved, typically what we do with volunteers is we will sit down and explain the program and talk to all these different opportunities, all these different opportunities we have. And, um, and then kind of feel feel it out where they feel they might be the best fit because it's you're going to be a better volunteer when it's something you're passionate about and something you can really get behind so we want people um who kind of either love photography to like come in and take some photos uh of our guys or who love soccer come in and just play with us um and get to learn more about who we are or if it's someone who's like hey i i really good at financial literacy or I'm really good at resumes or I'm really good at FAFSA or anything like that, you know, like it's just anywhere you feel like you can help out um, and, and create this. Or I really want to, I really want to mentor uh, a couple of these guys. What can I do? And like, we can kind of plug you in in different avenues and, and get you going. Or I just, I really want to coach some of the kids. Now we have a place for that to happen. Right. And so I think the last part is, is, um, you know, we all have ways of, of reaching out, but, you know, is there still open play at the 658 facility? And if so, where can people go to play? Yeah, we, we do it Tuesday nights at 658 and it's pretty, it's pretty open. Um, come on in and play with us. We start at, we start at like 658. Um, it's the time we start at and it's at 658. Eventually we're probably going to be making that move to the turf fields. Um, but we do it every Tuesday night. It's our Tuesday night kick around. We break up into about seven to 12 teams. Uh, we play like a round robin format and then we, we circle up halfway through and do like a life skill or team building exercise. And then we do like a playoff format after that. Um, so it's, it, that's probably one of the cool events because when you're there and you get to see like what, one of the things we do is we circle up and introduce ourselves and tell us where you're from. So when you hear all these different countries being represented, you're like, holy cow, this is this is so much bigger than me. Um, this is this is pretty cool, and that's always one of my one of my favorite moments is hearing all these people introduce themselves. And we do we do um, all these little nuances in these life skill talks and kind of help them with goal setting and and how to properly speak in public and, and different stuff like that, which is pretty cool. And so um, we send we usually tailor it with a good message too. So you're not you're gonna walk away with something more than just some sore legs probably. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I've always I've always come away kind of feeling like a better person whenever I go out to those events. So, Peter, thank you for everything you do. Um, I'll put some some links in the show notes and and tag you on everything in social media. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Once again, thank you to Peter for coming on the show. I look forward to all of the events Soccer 658 has going for it and the opening of not only Sailboat Bay, but all of the mini pitches that Charlotte FC is putting around and the programs that Soccer 658 will help facilitate on them. 
And most importantly, thank you for your selfless work with the refugees, homeless, and underprivileged youth in our Charlotte communities. You can follow 658 on their Twitter account, StreetSoccer658. And be sure to keep up with the progress of the pitches on Charlotte FC social media handles as well. Speaking of social media, if you haven't followed this podcast, you can find it on Twitter, at Mint City Voice. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you use so you can be the first to know when an episode drops. And if you can, give the show some love. Five stars, double taps, whatever else on social media. And I will love you and retweet it. As Mint City Collective begins ramping up on preparations for next year in MLS, keep an eye out for other digital content Mint City Chronicle is putting out, currently in the form of the Mint City Newsletter. So go to mintcitycollective.com and sign up for the emails to get insightful commentary from members on many things revolving around MLS and Charlotte FC. And be sure to keep up with all things Mint City Collective has going on by becoming a member and getting to into our members-only Slack. And be sure to follow on social media where contests are happening regularly and there are things happening on the daily. All of those are the best way to stay in the loop for the activities around Mint City, including happenings with our chapters, community outreach, and a variety of other topics that can and will come up. That's it for this episode. This is the Collective Voice Podcast, and I'm the host, Jay Lanskerner. And always remember, be passionate, be loyal, be Charlotte. say something specific about dragons or just that dragons roar dragons spit fire they're very much in the zeitgeist right now dragons 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 with a z everything about it is it's fairy tales i'd rather get my hand slapped later than now so we have like this wwf belt that's going to be branded with like soccer stuff that uh for the winning team do something that matters don't do something that is just in checking a box give me like a beat behind it I've got a life. I've got a job. Damn, son.